It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah Health. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Cougar Nation, welcome into another edition of Cougar Sports Saturday. It's a bye week for BYU football after 10 grueling weeks. The Cougar football team gets a much needed bye, but we never take Saturdays off. We're here every, all throughout the year, every week from noon to three, talking BYU sports. We've got a lot to unpack today, though. We will get to some BYU football talk despite the bye week. We'll give you get you up to speed on what's been happening this week during the bye and kind of revisit that Boise State win, which was a great win for the Cougars. We'll also be joined by Dave McCann from BYU TV and also BYU basketball as Matt, uh, the Cougars came up short in a rivalry game against the Aztecs, but it was a valiant effort from the Cougs. It was a great effort. And that's where we're going to start today's show. The leadoff. A look at the stories making headlines right now. It's time for the leadoff on Cougar Sports Saturday. Late last night, the Aztecs held on to beat BYU, who led at the half, 40-36. to They end up losing 82-75. to And after their performance at home in the opener against Idaho State, you just felt like, hey, this team is so new and they're very inexperienced. There's no way they're going to go to Viejas Arena and compete with the Aztecs. Top 20 Aztecs who have, you know, of their top 10 players, nine of them, Juniors or seniors, so they're very experienced. BYU battled like it was. It was very impressive, and I, I had to catch myself late in that game, Mitch, reminding myself, "Don't get frustrated, don't get angry," because going into this game, you just wanted them to compete. Because you could have very easily, I, I think, said, You're, "They're going to get blown out. Like they can't shoot the three, the turnovers, and those are issues again against the Aztecs." But they battled. They were up. They had a lead. Uh, sub 10 minutes to go in that game. And I think turnovers and the free throw disparity, that caught up to them. But let's remember, this team is young. This team is new in terms of Rudy Williams is new. Jackson Robinson is new. They're figuring things out. So I was very encouraged by that performance, even though uh, some of the issues we saw against Idaho State, they were still there. 
But nevertheless, um, I like to see that these guys battled on the road. It was uh, impressive, the fight that BYU showed against a nationally ranked team. And we even discussed in the extended pregame last night leading up to tip-off that BYU, when they go up against San Diego State, that tends to bring out the best in BYU, kind of like Boise State in football brings out the best in the Cougar football team. I think that was a little bit of a case there. And I think sometimes San Diego State has this uneasiness or nerves. It almost feels like BYU brings out this just nervousness like we see with BYU against Utah in football. But uh, it was a fun game. And I'll tell you too, Matt, I think, and I'm, I'm doubling down on it, I think that the San Diego State basketball series is one that I want to keep. I almost value it more than Utah basketball series. And I say that That's because... crazy. I say that because last night, on a Friday night in November, National College Basketball people were actually kind of paying attention, and they were tuning in on a Mountain West network, a streaming service. Hey, I liked that it was free. (laughs) It was free. But I I thought, I just think this is a big-time game. Every time these two teams play on the hardwood, it's big-time, and it kind of registers BYU in the national conversation a little bit. I, I just think it's a great series, and I'd like to see it continue in the Big 12. It's just tough for BYU because they have a lot of rivals and they want to maintain all of them as much as they can. Uh, But I just really respect this rivalry. I think it's always good basketball. I will say, though, some things that I didn't like about this game, the turnovers. BYU commits 20 turnovers, eight of which from Rudy Williams. And he's now averaging six turnovers per game. He, He ended up in the first one with four. So six per game through the first two games. That is a problem of, and I'm not singling out just solely Rudy, but, uh, he he accounted for eight of the twenty, and that's got to get fixed from the starting point guard. You got to take care of the ball when you're a young basketball team. The two things that have bothered me about Rudy Williams so far, and look, I say this all with a grain of salt because I'm trying really hard not to overreact. We're two games in. Like I, I keep trying to tell myself, we're two games in. Like Coach Pope this week in his media availability wished that this game was game ten yep. because they just have a long way to go. So. I got to keep that in mind. With that being said, other than the turnovers, which is a problem, the two things that have jumped off the page to me is, number one, where's the three-point shooting with Rudy Williams? He had multiple shots against the Aztecs where he was wide open. Dude at Coastal Carolina shoots over 40%. He is struggling from three. That's a concern because I thought he had a chance to be one of the team's best shooters. That has not been the case. And then even more so than that, and – I can't back this up with facts. This is just what I'm seeing, and I think Coach Pope has seen it too. The offense looks so much better with Dallin Hall at point guard. There's just more flow. There, uh, Look, Dallin Hall had four turnovers too, so he wasn't yeah. immune to turning the ball over against the Aztecs. And I did think that moment was a little deer in the headlights for Dallin Hall. How could it not be? That place is hostile. He's fresh off a mission. That's his second basketball game. I'm not going to beat him up for it. But when he's running the show, it just feels like, hey, this is a half-court offense that can go through sets and get a good shot. And with Rudy, it just seems like it's pedal to the metal, 100 miles an hour. We're racing up the floor, and if I get a layup, great. If I don't, it's a turnover. I don't like that. You need your point guard, especially in road games and close games, to be able to run sets. And in a perfect world, you don't have to look to Coach Pope and get the play. But you just have that intelligence as the quarterback of the offense to run the right plays and get people shots. And I think Dallin Hall has been much better at that part of being a point guard. Yeah, I think also, too, what's been 
an interesting storyline that's emerged through this first week of the BYU basketball season as the Cougars are now 1-1 one and one after their first two games. Spencer Johnson, he's the guy that's becoming the best player, the bucket getter, the guy that you need a shot to go down. He's that guy, apparently, for BYU. Last night, he's 17 points, 7 of 11 from the field, 3 of 5 from 3. He got 7 rebounds, too. One assist, only two turnovers in 33 minutes. Spencer Johnson's put in a ton of work, and his story, as Mark Pope has discussed with us in the media, it's a great one. I mean, he goes from American Fork High School to Weber State, then he bounces over to Utah Valley with Mark Pope, and then Mark Pope leaves for BYU, so Spencer Johnson is left in the weeds at UVU, so he goes to Sully Community College, and now he's a starter at BYU, and he's making the most of his opportunity and I think he's having a great season thus far. Will he maintain it? We'll see. But he's put in the work, and I think that that's been a great story to see. What's exciting too, Matt, and I think the theme with this year, and I know that's it's tough to kind of say these sort of lines, but I feel like this year has always been about building towards the Big 12, and Spencer Johnson is going to take advantage of that COVID year, so he's only a junior, and so he's got one more year after the season. We're seeing this type of level of play from Spencer Johnson in a big stage, you hope that can carry over next season into the Big 12. So that's a positive development that we're seeing from this BYU team. Yeah, I, I agree. Spencer Johnson has been awesome this year. I, I love that he has seized the moment. He, he had a lot of flashes last year, of, but offensively he wasn't as consistent as we've seen this year, and I hope that continues. He's been great. I, I just think, man, we're going to get to a, a place here soon because there's a lot of games coming up for BYU basketball that – we're not going to learn a whole lot about like I'm, what's the next interesting game Creighton in Vegas I mean yeah and that's several weeks away so I mean maybe Missouri State coming up on Wednesday but our, our listeners are hearing that going Missouri State uh, you know, like last year they were a tough team but still like you should be in the Marriott Center you should win uh, but yeah you're right I mean outside of you know, we got Battle for Atlantis. BYU's got that coming up. We're going to learn a lot there. So they got Missouri State, then they got Nichols, and then they're Battle for Atlantis, yes. and they will learn some things. Yes. They got USC for sure, and Tennessee or Butler. So And Tennessee beat Gonzaga in a scrimmage by 20. So that, that's <laughs> you, if, if, they, if they beat USC, they're probably getting the Vols, and the Vols are loaded this year. Yeah, so I, I guess the point I'm trying to get to, though, is we're going to get to a point where we're wondering – do we just need to go full-blown youth movement, mm. or are we just going to keep playing Rudy Williams 30 minutes a game? And, again, I'm not trying to overreact. I, I don't think we can answer that question yet. But if you're not going to be getting an NIT, like fringe bubbles or NIT, I feel like you just got to go for the youth because you're also going to get Trevin Nell back at some point. And that can't it can't come at the expense of Trey Stewart, Richie Saunders, Dallin Hall, you can't shave their minutes. They played 13, 11, and 15, and I'd like to see more. You can't shave those minutes. So the the only way you get other people more minutes is Jackson Robinson. I don't think you want to shave those. It's no. only 20. It's it's Rudy Williams or and, and Gideon George. Yeah. Those are the two. And let me spring this question on you. It's two, it's two games in, and they competed against San Diego State, so maybe this is an overreaction. It probably is. Do you mess with the starting lineup at all? Or, or are you happy with it? I think you give it until post-battle for Atlantis. I feel like that's kind of the sweet spot because you've got a couple games at home with Missouri State and Nichols that you should win. 
maybe even after next week before Battle for Atlantis, maybe that's maybe these next two home games. Because if you, I mean, we're forgetting on Monday night, BYU got taken to the horn against Idaho State, who was a sub three hundred team, and they're going to probably be better than what the preseason prognostications forecasted. But it was still Idaho State. I mean, I'm sorry, like the the fight in Taysom Hills up in Pocatello, like they, they the should not have. In Hills. <laughs> he never played there. <laughs> hey, he played in Holt Arena. He, I saw those highlights when he was in high school at Highland High. Uh, More I, appropriately would have been, here's a deep cut for you, the fight in John Reese Peoples. <laughs> John Raheem Peoples? The Wayne Tay Kirby's? <laughs> you know I know my Pocatello history as I have family up there. Anyway, uh, you know, BYU, is it's a mixed bag so far. I just feel like at, in a best-case scenario, Matt, I think this is a NIT team, even if you roll out the seniors. So that's where I'm kind of like, I'm okay with a youth movement yeah. if, if they did go to that. I, but I do think after battle for Atlantis, that's where you kind of reassess. Yeah. I think that's kind of the sweet spot. I will say this, though. That's where you go from there. The reason I asked the starting lineup question is 13 points off the bench. And their bench play last night was Noah Waterman, who's been very underwhelming yeah. to start. And then a bunch of young guys. Trey Stewart, Atiki, Richie Saunders, Dallin Hall. There's three freshmen in there and a sophomore off the bench. If you're not going to get anything from Noah Waterman, would you consider swapping Atiki and Gideon George? Gideon George probably deserves to start hmm. for as long as he's been here. I'm just wondering, could he succeed better sure. being the sixth man? We're going to go through you, maybe have a little you know, Jordan Clarkson vibe. That was put my the, first thought when up, you said it. Put up the shots. I'm just, I'm just wondering, do you move, or, or maybe it's Rudy. Yeah. I, that that might be a tough pill for Rudy Williams to swallow, but you come in and, and say, if you could convince him, like the Lakers are trying to do with Russ Westbrook, come in, it's your show, green light, do whatever. I, I just wonder if you have to consider that if you're not going to get great bench production. I, I like that idea because I will say, Atiki is a critical piece for BYU in the future, and I want that guy to get more minutes, and I think he's still learning. I mean, there's, I mean, the leaps he's made from last year at this time to now, it's night and day. And I want that progress to continue uh, at light speed this year because I want him to be in a position where I believe he can be in a best-case scenario. I feel Atiki, because of his body type, his skill set, he could be maybe an all-Big 12 guy down the road. That's that. I have high hopes for Atiki. I'll just say that. I, I think that he could be a special player for BYU. So if it benefits Atiki and he can really this, – this year can he can progress in a quick manner this year, I, I'm willing to do that because I think that he is critical for BYU's success in the future. Let me say this too. I think Foose, man, that guy is so good, and he's six foot six. And he plays well beyond his size. I love watching Foose. And he's just business-like. It's, it's study hall. It's basketball. That's all Foose cares about. And that guy just brings uh, brings in relentless effort every single night. And he's so tough. I mean, the way that BYU battled on the glass against a San Diego State team that out-rebounded UCLA in their secret scrimmage by about like, 10, 15 rebounds, like, that speaks to like, how good Foose is yeah. and the effort BYU put in. But they just couldn't get the job done, and uh, they got to reassess and try to try to tweak some things because it was a missed opportunity. The team who's won the rebounding battle the past four years has won this game since Coach Pote's been the coach. We'll take the break here on Cooper Sports Saturday. A little more recap on what happened last night down in Southern California. Then we'll get to some football, and uh, we'll get to some text as well. Five seven five zero zero. Back after this. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. In October of 1985. 
A woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.